And the reason that we are all here is to celebrate the defining moment in history. Not church history, not the history of faith, the defining moment in history. And to understand all that that means, we have to ask ourselves, what does a tradesman turned itinerant preacher who lived 2,000 years ago have to do with us today? And to get there, we have to start with Christmas. And at Christmas, we celebrate the birth and the life of Jesus Christ. And he lived a perfect life like no one else ever had, no one else ever will. And at the end of that life, he was mocked and humiliated and tortured and beaten and ultimately executed for crimes he did not commit to pay a price that for something he didn't do. And then three days later, what we get to celebrate today is the combination of his death and his resurrection. When Jesus walked this earth, he was literally brilliant. In everything that he did and accomplished in his death and his resurrection, all of, all of the facets of it represent brilliance. And so as we think why we're here today, and as we think about the life of Jesus Christ, we need both his perfect birth and life, along with his perfect death and resurrection. We need all of that together. Now I chose that um, the gospel read this morning from the book of Luke because I love the interaction between Jesus and those two disciples on the road to Emmaus. I love how Cleopas gets snarky with Jesus. He's like, bro, you've been under a rock? Like everybody knows what's going on. How could you possibly not have heard the things that have happened? And then Jesus is like, he, he, he calls them on their hard-heartedness and their lack of understanding and their disbelief. But the beautiful thing is, is that he doesn't leave them there. He doesn't leave them there. He goes all the way back to the beginning and he explains to them, it says from, the Moses, from Moses and the prophets, he explains everything written about himself. And when he's done, they sit down and they're about to share a meal together. Just as they're about to start, Jesus opens their eyes and they recognize him. And then poof, Jesus is gone. And they had just, the disciples, Cleopas and his buddy, I feel bad for his buddy, we don't know his buddy's name, you know Cleopas, but they had just finished telling Jesus, it's, it's getting late, you can't keep traveling. They instantly pop up and they, I would imagine, ran the seven miles back to Jerusalem to let everybody else know what they had seen. Now, I don't know, we don't know exactly what Jesus shared with them when it says everything from Moses and the prophets. I want to share with you a little bit, a little piece of what I think Jesus might have shared with them to help them understand. And there's two really important reasons why we need to look at that stuff. The first is we need an understanding an everyday understanding, not just a once a year Easter Sunday understanding, but an everyday understanding of why Jesus had to die and why he had to rise again. And secondarily to that, well maybe not secondarily, but right along the side of that, 
is all of these things that Jesus did accomplish, all the brilliance of his death and resurrection, were long promised and long predicted. His death and his resurrection validate everything that he said and did in his life. So, so important that we get our brains around this, not just at a, at a mind level, but at a, at a heart level. So Jesus goes all the way back to the beginning, right? That takes us to Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. God creates earth. He creates humanity to live and reign with him over the earth. And humanity goes and does their own thing. Adam and Eve infamously decide, we got it, God. We know we can decide good and evil on our own. We don't need your instruction. And they take and they eat of the fruit of the tree. They're tempted by the serpent. And as, as God is having a conversation with them and he, he's laying out the consequences of what they had just done, the consequences not just for them, but for all of humanity, he also shares with them the promise of how he's going to restore the relationship that their act broke. Genesis 3.15, he says that the offspring of the woman Eve will crush the head of the serpent. That's the first mention of the gospel in the Bible. Jesus' death and resurrection defeats the power of evil. Defeats the power of evil. That's where Jesus probably would have started with them, saying, hey, that's me. I'm the one who crushed the serpent's head. Right? And, then, and then he might have shared something from Abraham, the father of the Jewish people. Right? We have to try to put ourselves back in their place. They didn't have a New Testament. They had the Hebrew Bible. So Jesus takes them to Father Abraham. And a promise that God made to Father Abraham. He said, I will bless the nations through you, through your descendants. Jesus is a descendant of Abraham. All the nations of the world, right? When the Bible talks about na nations, it uses the word ethnos. It means everybody, all different kinds of people would be blessed through Jesus' death and resurrection. After Abraham is Moses himself. Moses is a great prophet. We know him as a great leader. God has a conversation with, with Moses, and he says, Moses, I'm going to send another prophet just like you who's going to tell my people everything. I'm going to tell them everything. Jesus came announcing the kingdom of God. He came announcing how to have access to the kingdom of God. He came announcing how the kingdom of God was different from the kings of this world. He came announcing how we could and should live within the kingdom and how that kingdom will live forever. Jesus, pretty much everything, right? Jesus shared everything with the people. And then um, to David, right? King David, who was the prophet, priest, and king who foreshadowed Jesus. God made the promise that he would have an heir that would sit on his throne forever. I think God has a little bit of a, a sense of humor um, and, and, and some of how he does this stuff. When Jesus was being beaten and tortured and killed, the guards mocked him. You're king, right? Here's your purple robe. Put the purple robe on him. They slapped him around. You're king, right? They hung a sign on the cross that said, King of the Jews. And they watched him die. And they thought their sarcasm and their mockery was spot on. Three days later, Jesus rises from the grave. He rises from the grave, the king of kings who will rule and reign forever. We read in the Psalms, repeatedly in the Psalms, how the Messiah, the promised Messiah, will bring redemption for all people. And 
another way of thinking about that is freedom. The things of this life that hold us back, that keep us from living the life we were created to live, from living the life that we want to live. Jesus offers freedom in that. When he broke out of the grave, he was free from the powers of sin and death. And in him, we have access to that same redemption, that same freedom. And the prophet Isaiah, only two more, hang in there. Just Isaiah and Hosea, and then we're moving on. In the prophet Isaiah, chapter 53, we read the haunting description of the suffering servant. It's a prophecy of how the Messiah would be treated at the end of his life. Well, actually, throughout his whole life, that he would be a man of sorrows, and that he would be beaten, and that the stripes on his back from the whips would, in those stripes, in those injuries, in that humiliation, that was a punishment that he willingly accepted. He willingly accepted on the behalf of all people. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. And Jesus was the one who paid the price for that going astray. And then finally, the prophet Hosea. We don't get to talk about Hosea a lot. He doesn't get, he doesn't get enough, enough credit. But it's in chapter 13, where Hosea talks about the Messiah will open the door to eternal life. In Jesus, we have that same power that he had over death. Jesus opens the door to eternity so that death is not the end for those who call Christ Lord. So then it says that they recognized him, right? For those of you guys who have been around Crossroads for a while, you know that I tend to think in movies. Not all of them are good movies, right? One of my favorite movies is Armageddon. It's an old Bruce Willis movie. And at the very end of the movie, Bruce Willis is gonna save the world by detonating the asteroid that's you know, gonna collide with Earth. I'm not comparing Bruce Willis to Jesus. That's not where we're going. <laughs> um, and as, he's, as he clicks the detonator that's gonna kill him blow up the asteroid, he sees these speed flashes of his life with the stars. I think that's what, in my imagination, that's what Cleopas and the other disciple experienced. They said, it said Jesus recognized him and through their mind was flashing all the last three years that they spent with him 24 seven, the people that Jesus healed, the lonely people that Jesus made feel welcome. He taught them how to live with God as humans, all those things going through their mind. I think, not I think, I know, the invitation that we have through the death and resurrection of Jesus gives us the power to handle our past, to handle our present, and to handle our future. In Jesus, we have forgiveness from our sins of the past, from our, of the wounds of the past. In Jesus, we have forgiveness of sins of the present. But he also gives us a part of him to reside with inside us, to empower us to live life like he would if he was in our place. And finally, he gives us a hope for a future. A hope for a future beyond death. Right? Like we said, death is not the end. And it's not just a life in eternity. It's a life in eternity with Jesus, with no more sadness, no more tears, no more pain, no more struggling children, no more broken marriages, no more 
struggles with mental health, you know, isolation, depression, loneliness, pandemics, all of it is gone. And we are with Jesus in his kingdom forever. So I'm going to invite the, the band to come back up. I would encourage you this morning as we think about all that Jesus did and accomplished in his death and resurrection. I'm not trying to sell you anything, right? I am offering you an invitation to live the life, whether you know it or not, that you were created to live. Life to the full, beyond measure. So as we think of the brilliance of all that Jesus did in his death and his resurrection, I would invite you to come to him to come to Jesus for forgiveness and for grace and mercy, his sacrifice for our sins. I would invite you to come to Jesus for healing. His body was broken and then raised again in perfection. In perfection, not in perfection, in perfection. We have access to that healing of body, mind, and spirit. If not now, kingdom to come. If we have health issues or, or physical or whatever, those will be gone. Jesus redeems all of those. He redeems all of those. I invite you to come to Jesus for an example of how to live this life. In his death and resurrection, we have the perfect self-sacrificing example of what it is to be a servant. And that's what he calls us to do. I invite you to come to Jesus for the freedom that he offers. He broke free from the grave so you could be free from all the things that hold you back. And finally, I invite you to come to Jesus for victory, to live a victorious life here and now and on into eternity with him. The brilliance of everything that Jesus did in his birth, and his life and his death and his resurrection. His death and his resurrection. Everything that he beat, everything that he released, everything that he won, everything that he did, everything that he accomplished is available to you if you would daily accept the invitation to follow him.